Okay. <laughs> you, you with your two working nostrils. Well, I only have 0.5. I still, I'm <laughs> sick, too. <laughs> uh, hello, and welcome to Sound Up Seattle. Oof. I am your host, Tyler Cartwright, joined by my co-host... John Carey. And we are here to talk, because we missed last week, and we're trying to catch up. <laughs> we are so sorry. We The inbox was flooded with emails <laughs> saying where are you are you okay what happened i got so many dms that were just like yes. craving us blink twice if <laughs> if you're under duress luckily guys it was just it was a busy week we're back i had food poisoning that was what happened <laughs> this selfish son of a gun i was asleep when we were supposed to be recording the podcast two week old sushi in the fridge and he decided <laughs> worth the risk and it cost us a podcast tasted great <laughs> It's like fish, I bet. <laughs> um, anyways, today we are going to talk about the Mariners and kind of a look ahead at the MLB season, how that's gonna go, how that's gonna shape up. Yeah, you know, spring training's been great. Uh, when's opening day, Tyler? Opening day is tomorrow. Actually, today when we release this podcast. Oh, all our midnight listeners are in for a treat. <laughs> opening day is today. So exciting. Exactly. Your boy will be there. By your boy, I mean Tyler. John, I think, will be sitting at home, hopefully watching on his TV. But if not, probably sharing some beers with some friends. <laughs> <laughs> I can do both. <laughs> um, yeah, it's. I, I encourage everybody to tune in because the first... 162-game win streak in the history of the MLB starts <laughs> tomorrow with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Just kidding! Just kidding! Do not stop listening. Um, God, imagine if the Dodgers were actually good this year. It would never happen. The Mariners are going to beat them in anything. That's hysterical. Um, we're also going to talk about kind of the crack in recent games in the last two weeks because obviously we haven't talked about them and we need to give you our hot or cold take because that's our that's our weekly thing. And we've decided to be just, we're going to just be so calm when it comes to the Kraken. They have quite literally been as up and down as a team can be over the last six games. Um, but we're cool about it. We're tranquil. We're relaxed. It's been kind of a crazy six games. I'm but... losing it, man. <laughs> I'm this um, close, I swear to God. <laughs> we'll touch on a little bit of the Seahawks news and maybe maybe some discussion on our disgraced Final Four bracket from uh, our last podcast. You guys didn't listen to that, did you? Yeah, I, only, I don't think we got many listens, so hopefully nobody paid attention to that one because, whew. We're going to have to delete that one off Spotify. Yeah. <laughs> we, don't know, we don't need that on the public record. Uh, also, just, just a footnote. If you're thinking, wow. These guys sound really nasally today. <laughs> um, you're not crazy. It's this gosh darn tree pollen that's doing me in. And Tyler's. I'm, lick, I'm recovering cats. from, from watching the Zag game this weekend uh, okay. with hundreds of people in one place and yes. probably contracting a light cold. Zag fans are such disease ridden people. They really are. I don't know why I hang out with you. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we apologize for. Any gross noises you hear in the background of yeah. this podcast? In the editing, I'll try and go through and uh, cancel any anything like that, any coughs. But yeah. uh, if or, I miss any, I'm or, sorry. Or Tyler speaking, anything that just sounds <laughs> gross. We'll try our best to edit it out, but some of it might come through. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, with that, we're going to get underway. <laughs> <laughs> the first five-minute intro of our of our young career. That was good. That was a good intro, though. Um, so, Mariners look ahead. Uh, let's 
just talk about the roster and kind of what what we're seeing, what we're expecting. Um, well, let, let's break it down like piece by piece. Let's start with the rotation. Yes, and you know, people that may have not listened as much, people that may have listened but haven't caught on to this yet, I am your classic B-tier Mariners fan. I can name our guys in the rotation. I can name most of our outfield, you know, but I, I, I watch them for fun. Tyler is our academic Mariners fan. This guy wrote his thesis <laughs> on why Robbie Ray should never have thrown against Jordan Alvarez in the divisional series. Um, so this might be more of me asking you questions, me as a proxy for our uneducated, simple, stupid audience. Hey, don't call most of our listeners stupid, okay? <laughs> I, if they're anything like me. Um, and you answering. So I guess what I would say is from the last time we played to today, are there any significant roster changes that you know of that will actually affect pitchers we will see pitch in this year's season? You know, not necessarily. I love our farm system developing. But we're talking about playing players. So to start this season, the current opening day rotation yes. is set to be Luis Castillo. Robbie Ray, Logan Gilbert, Marco Gonzalez, and George Kirby, which is kind of crazy. Wow, uh, Kirby fourth, Kirby fifth. That was that was five names. Sorry, can you run through that again? <laughs> I, I swear to God, I just heard four names. Luis Castillo, Robbie Ray, Logan Gilbert, Marco Gonzalez, uh, George Kirby, Logan. Um, yeah, we all missed him. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, yeah. So I think what I've heard is that Marco is starting the fourth, just because. George Kirby, he just pitched today on Wednesday, the day before opening day, uh, just to kind of keep his his rotation going, like keep his five-day streak going. And so I think he's going to be fifth, at least to start, and he might move up to fourth or change roles. Pretty Um, monstrous that we can have a guy like George Kirby being our fifth. Yeah. And people aren't really like, blinking about it you and know? he's like a sleeper Cy Young candidate for a lot of people <laughs> yeah yeah you know he might <laughs> may win the Cy Young he's our fifth guy not a big deal a big question for you on our rotation would Robbie Ray be first if he'd struck out Jordan Alvarez no oh well worth a shot <laughs> just trying to throw some just, hey we're trying to move past this John I know you're still upset but we're trying to move past this as a as a whole squadron as a Sonics fan I can only live in the past <laughs> Um, but no, yeah, Robbie Ray, there's honestly been some talk that George Kirby should be our number two starter, um, which I fully understand. He's very good, but he's also very unproven. He had a great, you know, last two thirds of last year. Um, but he's, he was a rookie and he, you know, one year of experience is not the same as a guy who's been pitching in the league for a while. That's true. And I, you know, I really like Robbie Ray. I just... Is it weird? Like, nothing to do with Castillo, monstrous. I kind of just want to see George Kirby and Logan Gilbert go back and forth, you know? Can they it just be 1-2, one, 1-2, two, one, two, one, two the entire season? Because they're definitely two of my three favorite Mariners. Who would be your third, Julio or Cal? <laughs> you know what's so funny? <laughs> I, I, when I, I said two out of three because it's like, okay, ha- they have to be two. And my first thought was like, yeah, and Julio's the third. And then I was like, oh, wait. Cal, the dumper. So we'll say two out of four. <laughs> no, that's a that's a good call. Um, My so, favorite forty year old, twenty six year old. <laughs> uh, some discussion on Robbie Ray, actually, um, and this is something that I've heard from a lot of different 
podcasts and Mariner sources and everything like that, is that the reason that Robbie Ray wasn't as good as we wanted him to be is last year specifically is because he's mainly a two pitch guy. He worked or he works fastball and slider, and when his fastball doesn't have enough velocity, they can sit slider because the the bridge when you're in the major league baseball the bridge from 93 to 95 as your average fastball velocity is huge and so if Robbie Ray sit in 92 93 instead of 94 or 95 that's a huge difference for the hitters they can adjust and he doesn't have enough control to pinpoint that accuracy and make it hard on them with his fastball see that was always my problem in middle school baseball is <laughs> when my 95 mile an hour fastball would drop to 93 <laughs> pitchers would just be taking me yard every single time so. <laughs> I have a lot of a lot of sympathy for for Robbie Roy in that regard. Is the idea that this year we're going to try to keep him on a better rest rotation such that he can keep that fastball up? Is that the, the idea? So there's been a lot of discussion on the fact that he looks slimmer, looks more fit, he looks just like more athletic than he did last year, even with those very tight pants. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they show all. They show all. He's kept away from Ivers. Good for him. <laughs> Um, and so in, in spring training, he was getting up to, and his average fastball was around like 94, 95. So people are very, very high on Robbie Ray at the moment, which is okay. I'm supportive of that. Some of me is worried that as we're ramping back up and as we pitch, you know, as they pitch more into the season, he's going to lose that velocity just because, you know, guys get tired, guys get fatigued. Um, but to start the season, I have very high expectations for Robbie Ray. He's looking great. How tall is Robbie Ray? I have no idea. Probably, so, probably six two, five foot eight, and six foot eleven. Yeah, somewhere around there. Okay, great. I was just curious. I because his fastball has less uh, upside than I think I would expect for a guy that's really tall. But he looks really tall when he's out there. He doesn't look like a small guy. It's because of the pants. <laughs> <laughs> no, those damn pants. So his it's funny because his fastball is, you know, when he's good with his during his Cy Young year, his fastball was his best pitch. Um, and it's crazy because like Logan Gilbert has a better fastball than him. Yes. But because Robbie Ray has a better slider, Robbie Ray's probably a better pitcher. Um, anyways, that being said, Robbie Ray, high expectations for him right now. They might fade. We're kind of expecting a little bit of a fade as we go. Um, but looking good. Okay. If you had to pick one pitcher on the Mariners to, uh, (laughs) sorry, I wanted the audio to capture that. Um, one pitcher. (laughs) (laughs) You're sniffling our hearts away. Guys, this is how committed we are (laughs) to bringing you this content. I almost did it with food poisoning last week. We're doing it with sickness this week. It's just how it is. Uh, if you could pick one pitcher besides Robbie to lead the team in wins this year, who would you pick? In pure wins, I would probably with the current with the current structure, I would probably go George Kirby because if George Kirby is pitching against a number five pitcher, that's a huge great advantage odds. for yeah. us. That's a good way of thinking about it. I um, was so worried you just go Castillo, and it's like, oh, don't go chalk. I actually like the logic behind that pick. Yeah. The other thing is, and this is like an interesting thought that I've had previously, and I think we've talked about this, but and we're we've already spent. 10 minutes talking about just the Mariners pitching staff. I feel, but I do feel like that's the most interesting part about the Mariners to talk about. Yes. Um, but I've always wondered why in baseball teams don't throw their like worst pitcher 
against the other team's number one. And then just win two through five. And then win two through five. I don't know. Hypothetically, it would work, but I think I think it's one of those things. It's kind of like guaranteed deals in the NFL. When one team does it, everybody has to do it, and it kind of just screws everything up and makes everything worse for everyone. The second that one team's like, okay, we're just going to start doing that, teams will change their rotations based on what that team's doing, and then suddenly... We're back to square one. It's completely unpredictable, and it's just harder for pitchers everywhere. So yeah. I think it's kind of like one of those artifices of baseball that's kind of built in you wanted them to capture that one did you just poop your pants <laughs> is that what i heard jesus christ John. <laughs> <laughs> um no i i like that uh, that argument because i i've always i've always like thought about it in my head and it, it just seems makes so a lot obvious, of sense yeah it, like your your number five pitcher would be pissed because he's taking all the L's, but it's like yeah, the idea of like oh in the World Series best of seven, why don't you just put your worst pitcher out first and then win the rest? It's like I don't think the other team is gonna let you do that. <laughs> I think they're gonna take the easy win and then they're gonna strategize around that. Yeah. You know? Um. Yeah. Oh, okay. I know we've done a ton on pitching. Just give me another couple minutes here. Logan Gilbert is entering his third year. Is that correct? Third full season, at least, yeah. Correct, because he was he came in late. I think he might have come in late at one point when we were not as good. But two years ago, and then okay, and then Kirby was a rookie last year. Yeah, so you took Kirby, respect it, love it. I am putting my chips on the table on Logan Kirby. Logan Kirby. Logan <laughs> Kirby. Logan Gilbert. The fusion dance. George Kirby. And Logan Gilbert. No, Logan Gilbert. I think third year. Typically, you know, it's not the same in the MLB as it is in, say, the NFL or the NBA because guys aren't coming up so young. But I still think third year as a professional can make a big difference. You're completely comfortable with the schedule. There's no sophomore slump. No sophomore slump. No no physical limitations. You know what is coming and you're prepared for it. I think he's got a ton of talent. I honestly could see some Kirby regression. He was so good. Expectations are so high. I think you just have that's, to... That's my concern, yeah. You just have to be ready for a guy that's still learning, you know? I remember Kyle <laughs> talking about the Cubs. Oh, this this crazy team, the Chicago Cubs. Kyle Hendricks, the professor, this player that was so good his, like, rookie and sophomore years, and we're like, okay, so pencil him in for, like, three Cy Young Awards, and he never really got there. He regressed and then kind of, like, raised back up to that level he was at when he was really young, but some people just kind of hit their head on a glass ceiling. Yeah, never never jumped, busted through it. I certainly hope that's not the case with Kirby. But regardless, I think, sophomore year, give him some time. It, I think it's wild that our rotation is so deep that he can be fifth. But let him be fifth. Let our top four guys work. Let him learn. And I think Gilbert is going to be breakout star of the team this year. Wow. I think come playoffs, it's going to be Julio and Logan Gilbert. That's a hot take. That's a damn hot Pin take. Pin it in the books, everybody listening. Everyone listening. Call me out when I'm wrong. I won't be. I never am. Another, except on Arizona. One more one more hot take. Marco Gonzalez is out of the rotation by July. Ooh. Oh, scalding. Now, is that because of him falling off or because other people rising? Whether we trade him or move Chris Flexen into his role because he's pitching poorly or we bring up a prospect like Bryce Miller somebody 
is going to take Marco Gonzalez's role by July, by the at, at least by the trade deadline, but I think even before then. Now, why his role? What do you what do you nervous about? What do you not like about his game? I just think if we can upgrade at a certain point, why would we not? Like we we love Marco as a as an organization as a fan base, we all love him, but he's not the he's our seventh best starter, and. He can't go to the bullpen because, and that's why they have Chris Flexen there, is because Chris Flexen plays out of the bullpen a little bit better. So and he, Bryce Miller just needs more time. So Marco's just kind of the fill in at the moment. So you're saying he's just a a low ceiling known entity. Yes, I see. And we could go with a higher ceiling, a little bit lesser known entity. Totally. Yeah, uh, that's another hot take. So we have one pitcher rising and another falling. I like that. But again, we love Marco. Don't wish anything bad on the guy. Watch it be the other way. <laughs> Marco's going to have just a bulldog season. He's <laughs> got like 25 wins on the year and we're going to look like idiots. <laughs> um, that was great. That's good discussion. Um, moving on. Let's talk potential stars for the Mariners just ev- everywhere else. Um, I think I think we're all pretty good on the bullpen. I don't really need to talk about it. We're all pretty confident in this organization's ability to produce good bullpen arms and or maintained current ones um we've got andres munoz we've got matt brash we've got paul seawald diego castillo should be good we've got a bunch of new faces who all have fastball slider combos that we're expecting to be great like every single other mariners pitcher over the last three years managing expectations rotation wise i think it's reasonable to expect an a grade from our entire rotation we might not have the best pitcher in baseball or the best you know not necessarily top five guy but we have like four top 30 guys yeah that's what i would say our rotation is going to be monstrous what can we expect realistically from the bullpen can we expect a b grade bullpen we can expect an a we should expect an a from this you bullpen. think so yeah our bullpen has not regressed at all if anything it's gotten better since last year and it was one of the best bullpens in the major leagues you think we'll have a top seven bullpen in baseball yeah Whew. not a lot of teams have a top five rotation and a top five our pitching bullpen. Could be the best pitching in all of baseball. Oof, that's what I like to hear. Tyler, I was trying to draw it out of you. <laughs> <laughs> I had to really work you for that one. Um, I was I was looking at something on Twitter. It was like a like a John Boy draft where the, the John Boy media organization has four guys who drafted specific uh, pieces of rosters to assemble a team. And it was like bullpen, rotation, infield and outfield, or infield plus D catcher, and outfield plus DH. And <laughs> infield the Mar- plus catcher. So disrespectful. <laughs> the catcher is in the infield. <laughs> um, but the Mariners' rotation got drafted fifth overall. In yes. the, out of all of baseball, they got drafted fifth. That's impressive. And the Mariners' bull- bullpen got drafted tenth. That's impressive. Okay. So, and so This is all of baseball. They were the second rotation picked and like the second or third bullpen picked. That's awesome. And by that logic, it's very fair to assume that infield and outfield, a C grade would probably be a good guess. Good, good enough, yeah. I think we can expect from our outfield. So our outfield, and this is, we can get into this. Our outfield yeah, has outfield. more variability. Um, we've got Julio, we've got Teoscar, who we're expecting to be great. And we've got Jared and AJ Pollock in left, who we're expecting or we're figuring out. 
And so we don't know how good they're going to be. And so expecting a, at least a C is a great expectation. I think we should, as a fan base, expect at least a B to a, a to a B plus. Really? Yeah. Just to clarify, MLB average is a C. Oh, I was expecting like a B is the average. If we're expecting Bro. C is the average, oh. listen. Okay. What a UW guy. They just gave out <laughs> grades there. They gave out grades at UW. Average is C. C is average. That's what that means. Well, in my mind, you got to be better than average to be average. <laughs> what a what a participation trophy <laughs> mentality. Oh, B is average. There's nowhere to go. No. If MLB average is C, my thought was that if we can get a C grade from our outfield, we are in good shape. That was my thought. So listen to this. Julio is a currently MVP candidate. We expect an MVP type caliber season from him. If every and and. NBA, NFL, MLB player in the country is getting drafted. Julio is going in the top at least 10. Yeah. Yeah, so absolutely. Potential MVP candidate. Teoscar Hernandez, people don't understand this. He played the, like, so he got injured last year, but after his injury, when he came back, he had the same batting numbers as Julio did. In limited time. In limited time, but over half a season, he played like Julio for another team. So if we have two of these guys who could be... At, you know, at Teoscar's peak, he's a potential MVP caliber player. Uh, that's I'm, like, you know, that's super high high grade. That is um, true. That's like his ceiling. I think his floor is Mitch Hanniger. His, <laughs> his absolute floor. That's the most insulting thing I've ever heard in my life. No offense, Mitch. I love you, Mitch. Um, how old is Teoscar? I think he's 27 to 29, somewhere in that range. Where is he at in arbitration? We have him for one year. Okay. Um, and then we need to, we're figuring out an extension likely in the next year. Likely, depending on how he plays. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I like Teoscar. Uh, I, you know, his stats were awesome. It, it's kind of like... He had a 125 WRC plus last year. It's kind of like... 25% better than the average hitter. It's kind of like a Kyrie Irving statistical bump, where it's like, yeah, it turns out when a guy plays half the games, his stats look better. Because he doesn't have to wear deal with like the wear and tear of the year. It's like, I mean, he dealt with the wear and tear of the year early in the season. <laughs> <laughs> he, he sure as hell did. That, <laughs> there's no doubt about that. But just you know, we I feel like we see it all the time when guys play half a season, their stats do get artificially inflated because they are fresher on average in games played than other players. I think that happens early in the season and then people get injured and their stats look better but yeah. if you are injured in the first half and you come back in the second half you're coming back from injury okay i think it's a little different anyways we're ex- we, we can expect good things from Teoscar. agreed um and so that's why i think we could get a b out of them like a, like an above average outfield not an a but an above average outfield you'd probably say an a is out of reach yeah i i would say the same unless jared plays like an all-star which yes. we've seen in spring training and we hope he can translate that God damn! <laughs> I love your optimism, dude. I'm so hey, cautious. I'm just, I'm just giving you the facts. I need you to pull me forward because I just want to pull back. What is your biggest concern about our outfield? Mine personally, home run hitting. <laughs> you said home run hitting. In what way? Home run hitting. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just feel like we've got a bunch of guys that can get on base, but I don't feel like I don't feel like we have a single guy that's capable of hurting, hitting thirty home runs in a year. Julio hit 25 last year, at least. Yes. I, I have more notes on Julio in a second. Teoscar hit 25 last year. In limited time? Yeah. Uh, Jared play. has hit 
21 and 500 at bats over the course of three seasons. Like Jared has home run power. It's more about his contact. Like we're at least going okay. to hit just 70 clar- home runs. In just the to clarify when I'm saying no one guy has the ability to hit 30, you've given me three guys who have not hit 30. My point is, I'm saying Jared could step up. Tay Oscar could have a full season where he hits more than 30 and Julio. We're fully expecting to hit 35. So give me a bigger concern in the outfield over home run hitting. Jared Kelnick being at least average. <laughs> 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 which completely plays into my home run hitting argument. That's that's Jared Kelnick, though. Home run hitting should not be the concern because Julio's going to hit 35. Okay, let's get into Julio. It's time. Um, I've watched almost every single professional sport there is since I was old enough to perceive what sports are and be obsessed with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and one trend that I've seen over and over and over again in every single major sport is a young superstar like Julio coming into the league, blowing up way faster than anybody thought he ever could, and everybody being like, oh my god, if he's done this at this age, what's he going to do next year? And can I just tell you, the next year looks about the same. Yeah. How So rarely do these guys come in and are like, monstrous and then the next year like double triple monstrous it's like Giannis Antetokounmpo who's the weirdest physical freak ever Patrick Mahomes who will probably go down as a top five quarterback ever and Jorge Soler before he fell off a cliff like that's it guys just don't do it people that come in and are awesome young tend to plateau Julio will not hit 35 home runs this year I would ma- I would make a bet with you right now that Julio hits thirty five home runs on the air. You'd make a bet with me. I would me? make a bet with you on the air. How much you want to bet? Five bucks. I would bet twenty bucks. What number does Julio wear? Uh, is it forty four? I would let you right? forty four dollars. Forty four dollars. Forty four dollars. Well, check. Let's confirm. If Julio's it's not, I want to bet his number. Yeah. Okay. As Give long as it's not like eighty seven. <laughs> as long as he's not an NFL wide receiver. God, really talking like engineers here, where we have the money to do this. If we were, if we were journalists, <laughs> we would not have the money to do that. No. Um, let me pull it up. Hold, hold. Jesus Christ! Stop this, that. This can all come out. You're right. I can, I can edit things. Give me the roster. There it is. Or give all me right. death. Julio's number is 44. God, I'm so good. I was right. I will I will bet you $44 that Julio hits 35 or more. So I get it if he hits 35. Deal. Deal. 34 is a win for me. 35 is a win for you. You heard that shake. You heard that. Goodness gracious. <laughs> I, feel, I feel bad, man. Don't worry. I'll put it back towards the rent. Don't worry about it. Deal. Yeah, by the end of this, it'll, you know, we'll all, we'll be living together. So we'll know by the end of the season. We will know. Um, well, if yeah. he hits 35 home runs, I will be much less concerned about our home run hitting. But as it currently stands, my biggest concern in the outfield, I, I respect what you're saying. Some of these young guys, it's more about can they reach their potential. But yeah. as, as a unit, when I'm thinking about this team as a, as a championship contender, I'm most concerned on the entire team with our ability to get the ball outside of the ballpark. 
Infield? Infield. Um, so, let's run through it really quick. Cal Raleigh. We, I know we said infield plus catchers earlier. <laughs> Cal Raleigh. <laughs> infield plus not real people, I guess. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Um, Cal Raleigh. We've got Tom Murphy as a catcher, and we've got Cooper Hummel, who's labeled as a catcher, but will also play some outfield, um, who we were really impressed with in spring training, by the way. Um, hit really hit four home runs, same amount as Jared Kalnick, played well. Don't group us together. You don't know who impresses me. <laughs> Not a lot of people can impress, John. <laughs> um, I see Julio swing the bat, and I say, ah, you got to get a higher, higher angle of contact in there. Jesus. Um, yeah, so Cal... Tom Murphy, Cooper Hummel as the infielders. We've got Ty France, uh, Colton Wong at second base, J.P. Crawford at short, and Eugenio at third. And we've got Sam Haggerty, Tommy LaStella as our backup infield, I guess if you want to call him that. And Dylan Moore is injured but should be coming in in a couple weeks. That's a that's a good infield. That's that's a C infield is what I would what I would give that. Yes. Maybe a C plus. It's it's a it's a B plus defensive infield and like a c minus offensive infield i actually would go the other way around i would say offensively we're good but defensively like jp's arm is kind of kind of toast right now oh i was gonna say i really like jp at short i do really like him at short his just his arm is a little soft right now because i don't know i think he has tentonitis or something fair enough um gino he played too much Gino played really good defense at third uh, last year, but I would expect him to regress a little bit and just just at least defensively. Like I really like his bat. Yes. Um, but I would expect him to regress defensively. Colton Wong is a step up from Adam Frazier defensively. Um, Listel is but, a good defender if he gets in. Yeah, if he actually plays any sort of infield at all, he probably Finger, will just DH. Fingers crossed. Um, but yeah, Colton Wong will be a, is a step up, a huge step up offensively from Adam Frazier, and then Ty's just Ty. He's going to hit really well in the first half and then get injured and have a week or something. <laughs> <laughs> we cracked him. Okay, you sold me. I'll flip, yeah. I'll flip it around. But a C. But I like a C, C plus, yeah. Um, that's going to do it for our review of the Mariners. Do you have any final thoughts before we... Let's give our like season predictions, win totals. I was going to say, we yeah. have to. We have to do the win totals prediction. And then we'll get a nice short break with our favorite ad breaks that you that you get from us. <laughs> this, believe it or not, this one's going to be brought to you by Benadryl. <laughs> <laughs> Goodness gracious. Um, okay, uh, remind me roughly, how many games did we win last year? Uh, I believe low 90s, like 92. Oh, I was going to go like 84. No. Okay. Well, I'm not going to get overly ambitious. Uh, people are hot on this team, and I do not want to be the one that overswings. I say the Mariners are going to win 95 games this year. It's a big overswing compared to all the statistical predictions. A lot of the statistics predict us to be at like 86 to 88, um, and I don't, I don't like that. Like I think we'll win at least 90. They, they give. Otani an extra 10 wins every single year. Yeah. The Angels are not that good people. People are high on the Rangers too for DeGrom. Uh, oh, oh, I DeGrom's didn't. going to be gone in a week and a half. <laughs> I didn't realize they had DeGrom. Let's pencil the Rangers in for a 17 win season. <laughs> Goodness gracious, that team's awful. No, I am saying 95. I bet you're going to go over that. I was actually going to say 94. Oh, shit, I overswung. <laughs> No, you watch. 95. They're going to win that game. I like that we're close, though. I like where we're at. We are on the same page. We're I like a... that you think you're, you were underswinging, and I'm like feeling pretty average. <laughs> I, I thought I thought you were going to say something higher. Um, 
if I will say, if we compete with the Astros for a win in the AL West and AL West division, uh, we're going to be around 100. Like that would that would be what it takes. That would be what it takes. I predict that we will not compete with the Astros, but that the AL West will be the second best AL division, and that it's going to be of the three. <laughs> Shut that up. Or of the four, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and I think. No, it's, a- it's three. Never yeah, mind. Yeah, no, yeah. I know. no, it is. It's three. But the AL East, I think, will be more top heavy. But they might be deeper. I feel like the AL West is very top heavy this season. I actually, this is could be kind of a tangent, but I think the AL West is. I really would put us on par with the AL East, if not deeper, because we've got the Angels, who no matter what, they have Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. Like they have two. Of the of 30 the, best players in baseball. Ever, 20. Ever. Of two, two of, of the 30, 30 best, best players, players in baseball. Ever. ever. Yes. That's not a question. No, it is a question. No, it's not a Otani's question. Otani's played like three years. Nobody's done what he's done. He's won a Cy Young. Actually, people have done what they've done. Babe one Ruth. person did it for approximately one and a half seasons. And then continued to have another 20 excellent seasons in the MLB. Yeah. Shohei's done it for three straight years and been a Cy Young contender every single year and oh, the best DH oh, besides Jordan Alvarez. Oh, stop. He has not been a Cy Young contender. He literally has. Since, no, no, he was not last year. He was the year before. What would that have been? He was not in 2022. He was in 2021. He was not in 2020. He puts up good numbers on the mound, and because he swings the bat, people want to say he's a Cy Young contender. He was not close to competing for the Cy last year. Don't tell me that he was. <laughs> this is kind of a heated podcast today. <laughs> I love Shohei, but people lose their freaking minds. If the Mariners signed Shohei, well, how would you feel? I would feel like we were picking up an amazing hitter and a really, really solid pitcher where would you, who cannot compete for the Cy Young. Where would you put Shohei Otani in the Mariners rotation right now? Right now, I'd put him first. Who Who is... Uh, who is our number one pitcher? Luis Castillo. Does he is he considered a Cy Young contender at the moment? Yes. I would not. Oh yeah, he is. Oh, but people ah people say contender. He's a and top then they ten. He's fit. a top ten candidate oh, at the moment. Uh, correct. Top ten is not a contender. Top four is a contender, and Castillo's not top four, and neither is Shohei. <laughs> Do you think he'll get votes for Cy Young? This year? Yeah. All all the all the Japanese voters will definitely vote for him. <laughs> That's 100%. not how the Cy Young works. They don't just. It's not country <laughs> it's not by just country. The country. <laughs> Uh, he'll probably he'll probably get he shouldn't he should not we'll see I, I don't know who votes do you want to make Cy. another bet with Shohei Otani's number <laughs> I bet you he won't win Cy Young and I'll give you odds I would take that he gets a vote but uh, I can't trust people people are idiots <laughs> this is my whole point anyways God we just spent three minutes talking about that I just meant to say hey, we could spend another twenty on Shohei yeah the the Angels have Shohei Otani and Mike Trout who will immediately if they're both healthy give them the opportunity to win more games than the Mariners because they're that good uh, more games than the Mariners they could they have a decent enough roster Jesus poor ice um, on this guy <laughs> the Rangers if Degrom stays healthy all season could they get more wins than the Astros if Degrom stays no, healthy all? but they could they could get eighty six and what they could get 86 that's five more wins than 500 they could be above 500 team absolutely not they could i'm not saying it's likely like i like i'm saying if Degrom is healthy all season and they play well they have cory seager Marcus simeon they're they're a good team they just they're kind of like the angels and the fact that they're just not built to win a lot of games because of the way 
that they're so top heavy. The odds of me getting a brain aneurysm <laughs> out of sheer frustration at this conversation is more likely <laughs> than the odds of the Texas Rangers finishing over 500. What? How many games did they win last year? Mid 70s. I thought they were like 68. No, I think they were. They might have been like low to mid 70s. Okay, well, it's hard to bottom out in baseball, but. Regardless, you're saying the AL West, you're taking I think it's it over deeper. the AL East. Okay. Would, yeah. Even though a lot of just general baseball fans probably wouldn't. I like the AL West ah, more. General baseball fans love the East Coast is okay. what it is. The Red Sox suck. The Orioles are not going to really contend. Correct. Then you've got Yankees the Yankees, are good. the Jays. But the Yankees should take a step back this year. They lost a couple guys. Their, their rotation's better. Granted, their rotation's injured right now. Yeah. The Jays We've are good. We've spent way too much time talking about baseball. Let's move to <sighs> a nice little... Ad break and get break. back to the Kraken. We're sorry. Break. We got very heated about this conversation. <laughs> uh, but we hope you enjoyed. Stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by Benadryl. Do you, too, love to pet cats but are <laughs> deathly allergic to cats? Luckily, Benadryl is here for you. You can rub that cat all over your face. It's totally fine. Just take a Benadryl first. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where to go from there. That was, that was all I had. That was great. That was great. Welcome back. We hope you enjoyed that amazing ad read. Did you miss us? I we know. Mi- we missed you. Exactly. Um, and we hope you enjoyed our Mariners look ahead. Um, we are we're pretty excited to talk about that. We feel like it was a good discussion. I hope you guys enjoyed and uh, learned something or are getting getting geared up for the season. So excited. Um, let's get into the Kraken. It doesn't, you know, we've already taken 40 minutes to talk about everything else, but we'll so, get into the Kraken and maybe touch on some other things later. A quick 40 minutes on the Kraken. Um, <laughs> last we left our dear, dear listeners, the Kraken had lost three straight games, including two to the stars, and our hopes had plummeted. We were, we were, they were very dashed. The hopes were gone. And we had been so up and down on this team. We were... So sure they were a contender, we were sure they were going to lose, back and forth and back and forth, and after last week, we came together and we said, we have to stop overreacting about this team. We have to just wait and see what they're going to do, see how the season plays out, so we can form a more definitive opinion on who the Kraken are. And, true to form, (laughs) since that day, the Kraken have... One lost, one lost, one, and lost. <laughs> they are three and three in their last six with alternating wins and losses, with some impressive wins and some disappointing losses. Tyler, give me your thoughts. <laughs> um, God, it's, it's hard to really pinpoint anything to really say because they're obviously so uh, hit or miss depending on what game they're they're playing have you ever been trolled by a professional <laughs> sports team frequently frequently um the mariners for 20 years oh, God. <laughs> um but what i will say is i watched them i watched their game against the wild i believe it was yesterday um two days ago two days ago and the wild are known as a very physical team and i don't know if it was just because it was that day and Somebody had just a really rough time at home, and they were brought into the into the clubhouse. But <laughs> um, they did not look good. They they got kind of kind of bullied. Um, it wasn't even that their defense was awful. They just 
the goals that they gave up. And I, I stopped watching when it was four to zero, um, or whatever the score was, but it was not good. Um, but they, yeah, they just didn't look like they could compete physically with the Wild, um, and that has me concerned for if they play any sort of tough big opponent in the in the playoffs. Postseason hockey, man. Believe it or not, it does not get less physical. They don't put they put the kids' gloves on for the postseason. You're right. That is a, a totally fair reason to be concerned. And you know, I hate to toot my own horn. You know me. I hate to relish in it when I'm right. I'm not uh-huh. that guy. Yeah, sure. Um, but in our previous discussions, we talked about what's our main concern with this team. Is it the offense or is it the defense? And you stood strong on, hey. The special teams. <laughs> the special teams. Their kick returns. No, um, they score goals. Look at their you know season average goals per game. They score goals. It's oh, their, that's going to be a pretty sound. It's their defense <laughs> we need to be concerned about. And... Their defense has been fairly solid over this stretch. Been a little anemic, but over the last four, they've given up four, two, two, five goals. A little bit of fluctuation, but they're standing relatively steady. Their offense has scored five, one, seven, one. Do you want to guess which two are their wins and which two are their losses? I'm pretty pretty confident in those ones. Yes. um, It's, I really do think that their issue is their offense either shows up or it does not. Their defense shows up every time. Based on the talent of the opposition, they may give up more or less goals, but they are there. I feel like this whole season, you could basically break their record down onto how many goals per game or how many goals in that game they are averaging. I bet you that the difference between goals scored and their wins and their losses is significantly higher than the NHL average because I just think that this is a team that either shows up or they don't and I wonder if hockey is uh, kind of a, a streakier sport than we're giving it credit for um, I, f- I can't be streakier than baseball well so my thought is like we we think about sports and we think oh okay this or like I guess I'm, I'm thinking less streaky but like we think about sports and we're like oh this team is on a hot streak they've won five of their last seven games or whatever it is. And we talked about it with the Kraken previously. Yes, they'd won seven in a row. But I feel like hockey is so volatile in terms of like whether you can have a good day or a bad day. And it's really just, you know, having more good days than bad days if you're thinking about it like that. Um, By that logic, are you saying that, you know, the win percentage of a good team is lower in hockey than you would expect in because like basketball is the opposite the best teams win a lot they'll win three quarters four fifths of their games um baseball obviously it's lower the the record all time is 116 by mirrors 116 which is something like like 67 oh it's almost 75 75 percent of their games that's it's like 70 all-time record um, so you're, you're expecting that in hockey, maybe the all-time record's closer to 65, or, or, or at least on average. You're expecting... We're looking at win percentage, yeah. Yeah, you're expecting a good team to win 60 to 65% of their games. Is mm-hmm. that what I'm hearing? I don't know, because you think about the Bruins this year, and the Bruins are... Stomping. Stomping. And the Kraken, you know what it is? It's probably because you can tie. You can tie. Yeah, that might be that might be one of the things that changes it. Because you can have a win percentage that's a lot higher because you tie a lot more, but you don't have as many points. Um, 
They should fix that. <laughs> Put us in charge of hockey. No more ties. Um, I love shootouts. Why don't we get more shootouts? Yeah, I don't know. It's the best part. Best part of soccer. Why are we ignoring that? But yeah, I I just yeah I you kind of summarized my thoughts. It's like the the volatility causes the good teams to not be as dominant because on a day to day basis you're never you're never sure how your entire team's going to play because there's so many people playing it's not like you have a consistent nine guys or five guys or a basketball rotation of eight guys that are know their roles and everything like you have your lines in hockey but at any point any of your 12 offensive players or eight defensive players could have any sort of day and the thing about this Kraken team is like okay you know what are we talking about they've gone three and three in their last six they're not crumbling but I just feel like it's a recipe you know they're going to make the playoff they may win a first round series but if you're winning every other game, you might win a series, but you're not going to win three or four in a row, which is what you need to do to win a Stanley Cup. It's four in a row, right? It's got to be four in a row. You have to win four of the seven. You know, yeah. No, 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 I mean, four series. Four series. Uh, yeah. Um, and I just don't think you can do that with a team that, that that's this volatile. I think the teams that win the championship find a level of stability, and then it's either, you know, they get hot at the right time or they don't but i you know i'm not sure that this kraken team has what it takes to get hot at the right time i think they're just too inherently volatile i think another thing look at me being a downer again they're gonna win seven straight i swear to god i think another thing to think about is like the kraken are known to be a fast team in the NHL, like they're just supposed to be quick, their ability to get back on defense and everything like that. I didn't know that. That's that good. Doesn't, that doesn't really play. I feel like in the playoffs, I think it's like, you know, you have the physical teams, which is very obvious. It's very obvious who they are, and it's not they're physical in the sense of like they can instigate and kind of get under people's skin. Sure. Not in the sense of they're going to like knock people over because obviously those are penalties. <laughs> um, not pulling knives like, out of their boots. But yeah. <laughs> Um, and being a fast team is not really conducive to like running the show, I guess. It's a lot like basketball in that way. Teams that are really fast in the regular season, postseason always slows down. Yeah. Always yeah. slows down. And teams that rely on, say, running, you know, fast break offense. Like, Gonzaga. <laughs> shut the hell up. <laughs> like uh, Memphis the last couple of years, the Grizzlies. It just doesn't translate as well once you're forced to play in the half court time after time after time. Wears you down. I, that sounds very similar to the Kraken. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, this has been a fun season, and it'll be a fun playoff. I'm excited that we're going to get there. It's looking more and more likely. I think now their percent chance to get in the playoffs something like 74 75%. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'll be great. Um, but, yeah. I, I feel the same way that you do, that hockey is more wide open. I do feel like if you look over the last five years, the champions aren't always the guys that you would pick coming in. There's there's a real ability to like have a team that just comes in hot, go on a real run. But you have to have some level of like game-to-game consistency. And I just, this team can be so good or it can be so bad. I'm just not sure we have that consistency. Yeah. Um. I had a thought, and it's escaping me right now, but maybe that's okay. Wrangle that bad boy. Um, you keep talking if, if you want to, but I if, if it's not going to come back while I'm talking because I'm just <laughs> making up words. <laughs> Following your own mind down that train. Um, 
I'm not really sure of anything else else to That's say okay. on the Kraken. Yeah. I think we had a good little good little spiel on him. Oh, I remember what I was going to say. Tell me. It was I and there's I I doubt you've ever played this game, but on the original Nintendo, there was a game just called Ice Hockey. And <laughs> in this game, you could choose your team. <laughs> Tell me the and, NHL is like Nintendo Ice Hockey. I swear to God. I'm thinking of how the teams were functioning. All of but, our Canadian viewers are about to tune out. <laughs> there was there was three different types of players that you could choose to have in any in any of the positions. And so they were a large beefy man who could be very physical and knock people over. Oh, is that the title description? A large beefy man? Yeah, that's how I describe myself. <laughs> oh, I see. Um, then we had just an... It didn't actually say anything, but it was like an average guy who was medium speed and could knock the, the little guys over. And then there was the speedy guy who was faster than everybody, but could easily get knocked over. Mm. And I feel like the Kraken are the speedy guy who can easily get knocked over. And they can have like a hot game or two where they get ahead and just like keep pouring it on. But being a physical person, like being physical in a game of like hockey or basketball um, and slowing the game down allows you to keep the game close no matter what. And that is where the Kraken, I think, fall off. Not enough medium guys. Anyways, just wanted to bring up this, the Nintendo that I had when I was younger. Well, I'm sure all our viewers appreciate <laughs> it. We all also played Nintendo Ice Hockey, I'm sure. <laughs> A bestseller, that one. Um, <laughs> <coughs> fuck, my first cough of the day. My first cough of the day. <laughs> um, okay, that's enough hockey. We wanted to hit a couple of points before this episode ends, and our viewers are getting sleepy. So yeah, except I hope it's the morning, but we're getting sleepy. Well, it's we get sleepy in the morning too, man. I don't know about you. I stay in bed. Um, well, any news on the Hawks? What's going on with Hawks? Yeah, so my prediction that you thought was ludicrous actually came true. The Hawks signed former Seahawk and former Ram, I believe, Bobby Wagner. I have no, to... mem- I have no memory of that. <laughs> No memory of that. Pull up the tapes. I didn't. I don't. I don't remember saying anything about that. What they sign him to? Um, I'm gonna look that up, but I should have had that on hand. For the record, I I do remember this conversation. I don't think I said it was ludicrous. I thought I said that it would be ludicrous for the Seahawks to sign him. Um, not that it wouldn't happen, just that it was a questionable decision. But why would they listen to me? You know, why would anybody listen to you? I think that's the true question. It's the question question these listeners have to ask themselves every minute that they're on this podcast. Why am I listening to this John Kerry guy? Yeah. Um, Bobby Wagner signed a one-year, $7 million contract. Oof. That is a... Well, I'm really, really glad they signed him to one year. That seems steep for a essentially veteran minimum guy. Yeah, I mean, he still has he has the knowledge. We we lost Jordan Brooks, I think, so um, we need to have a linebacker, and he's going to take that role. Yeah. Um, How many games can you expect from a guy at his age, though? How I mean, he's got to be in his mid thirties at this point, early thirties. Um, let me look. That's a that's a great question. Um, he's thirty two. Okay. All right. Granted, oh, football, okay. you know, age is a little different in football, so, especially a linebacker. But he's got another another year or two in him. Seven million's a lot, but I'm glad they signed him to a one-year yeah. deal. I we, um, we had the same discussion about Gino. Yeah, pay the man early and save flexibility late. This is actually something that I meant to bring up. The we were wrong about how much the Seahawks are paying Gino Smith. 
Um, Don't tell me we underestimated it. No, no, we overestimated. He is making $75 million in his extension. or his, I don't know if it was extension or restructuring or whatever. Or what did contract. we say? But we had it at one hundred and five. Um, we had it $30 million too high? Yeah. Goodness. Don't say that on the air, Tyler. Well, we need to, we need to let the people know Goodness. that the Seahawks made an even better deal than we thought. So we thought it was 105 over three. We thought it was a $35 million per year deal, but it's 25. It's so much better than we thought. I'm I'm not sure. Are you sure we got that wrong? Yeah. Because I obviously we both knew it was very front-heavy. Yeah. And then the last year is super reasonable. If it was front-heavy as in like $40 million in a year, that would make him the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. No, it's literally, I think it's... Forty million dollars guaranteed over the three-year span. Sure, but I th- and I think the, the guaranteed money goes down as it goes along. But it's like maybe it's like fifteen, ten, five, or something like that. But even his projected salary, I know the first two years were like eighty percent of the entire bundle. I I guess there's no reason to go back and relitigate. Seventy-five million, three years. He's probably getting paid. 55 60 million in the first two and then his last year i thought was something like 10 or 15 million was that did you read that the last year was that much money or is that what are you basing that off Uh, i i remember reading that the last year was significantly less than the total contract so if it's 75 million for three years you'd expect 25 million a year what i read is that is not the case it's something like 35 30 you know 10 or 15 hmm. in the last year such that it's front loaded such that Gino can make his money right now but that Seattle retains its flexibility on the back end and the whole point of that we were both agreeing it kind of seemed like a win-win where Gino gets his money now he gets the higher salary now while he's playing his best and then at the back end it's good for the Hawks because if they decide they need to move on it's easier to move that contract Do you want me to read you the contract details? Please. Don't say 25, 25, 25. <laughs> Don't do it. So. Oh, God. That's interesting. So I'm just going to read this uh, a few statements from this article by Brady Henderson breaking down Geno Smith's new contract with the Seahawks um, on ESPN. So the first thing, first sentence or first paragraph, I guess, is uh, if Geno Smith has a strong enough encore to his comeback player of the year season, the Seattle Seahawks quarterback can earn significantly more than the $25 million per year base value of his three-year $75 million contract. If not, it could end up being a one-year deal for $27.3 million. Um, what I'm understanding with that is um, it's incentive-based. The contract is like incentive-based. And so the better he plays, the more money he makes. Um, and he could make, you know, less money than the $25 million he would be owed later in the season or later in the contract if he doesn't or like if he doesn't play well goodness gracious maybe I was just really confused on this one yeah you know it's uh it's a freaking weird one it's a weird contract and we we probably should have looked this up beforehand so that we could have an actual further <laughs> discussion but i just thought of it while we were talking about bobby Wagner. no that's totally fair. so well regardless three years 75 saves save the seahawks 30 million over three years absolutely <laughs> we did we saved them we that did money. that <laughs> if you reported early we technically saved it by taking it down um anything else other than gino and bobby no other big news on the seahawks at this point um it sounds like <laughs> next week 
uh, as a side note, we will be talking a little bit more about the NFL. So maybe we'll get into it then. Yeah. Um, one final note. No. One final depressing note. No, let's just skip it. <laughs> Thank you. This episode was brought to you by March Madness. Ah. <laughs> Gross. We would um, like to apologize. Not apologize. No, we don't take anything back. We're not no. sorry. You're right. We'd actually like to, to double gloat, down. Double down <laughs> over all of you. Arizona. Arizona should have won this national championship. Damn it! If it wasn't for some nerdy nerds from New Jersey. Um. Yeah. Kind of a mess. Kind of a mess. So the one thing that I was really not upset about, but one thing that I noted was the the bigs, our big point of emphasis for the Arizona team. Who are big point of emphasis? Nice. We, we thought they would be good. good we thought word. they would be the best. Good wordplay there. <laughs> we thought they would be the best part of the team. Uh, they scored thirty five of Arizona's fifty five points in their loss. Like the bigs were good. Tabellus was good. Tabellus was good. Bala was doing some Bala Gonzaga Bala stuff. Uh, oh, he was. Catching bounce, he was catching bounce passes and setting them straight out of bounds. Uh, their guards were a combined like one for twelve from three. Oh, and they had maybe like seventeen. They had the, the rest of their team had scored twenty, 20 points. points. Yeah, and so their guards played like shit. It was kind of like Gonzaga, to be honest. Well, I, that's funny. I was gonna. I was, you said poor guard play, and I knew where my mind went. So. <laughs> Going overall with our bracket, it went rough. We had three of our Elite Eight. We called Kansas State. You guys are welcome for that. We called it. Marquise Noel. Called it. Great tourney. Focus on the dubs. We called Kansas State. Gonzaga, Gonzaga made obviously. it to the Elite Being Eight. UCLA was a big, big game. Huge game. Texas was right there. And then, so three out of eight. That's... I did, did any of you have Miami in your, yeah. in F- your Final Four? FAU, stop lying to yourselves, America. <laughs> that's So that's five of eight right there. And then uh, things took a turn. Creighton, San Diego State. Creighton, we could have had. Actually, I think... No, we didn't have Creighton. We had Arizona. I tried to talk you into Creighton. But you did. You did try to talk me into Creighton. Uh, and we did have them beating Baylor. They just... We had them losing to Arizona. For the record, I also remember having a conversation where we were talking about the team. Who... What, what was the team that upset Virginia? Furman. Furman. I remember having a Furman conversation. And you said, no, Virginia won't lose this round. They'll lose the next round. You said that. We also had Miami and San Diego State losing in the first round. <laughs> don't, don't, don't need to say that. Um, anyway, so the bracket was kind of a mixed bag. But focusing specifically on Washington college basketball. Gonzaga. <laughs> UW didn't make it. <laughs> oh, this is a great side note. The UW women's team is in the, I believe they were in the Elite Eight last time I checked. Oh, that's for amazing. The, for the NIT. But uh, but they're still playing out of their minds. Not sad. as amazing. That's, but oh. they were in the Elite Eight for the, <laughs> for the NIT. The NIT. <laughs> Sorry. Hearing John, hearing somebody's doing well in the NITs, kind of like hearing a relative's doing well once they got out of rehab, you know? <laughs> We're like, good for them, you know? Like, I'm, that's better than the alternative, they, I guess. They made it to the semifinal of the NIT. They lost 36-61, to 61, <laughs> but... To, to Kansas. Uh, uh, yeah, today, actually, tonight. Um, oof, tough, tough loss. Maybe, maybe try losing in the real tournament next time. Is that's is that's where they're on their way. They're on their way. Um, UW's got a great women's basketball program. Not really, but it's fine. Let's talk about Gonzaga. Sorry, I just wanted to bring. No, that no, up. no, that's okay. Uh, Gonzaga. Um, 
women's basketball team lost a little while ago. That was a good game, too. But regardless, the men's basketball team, um, tough loss to UConn. It was, we hadn't talked in a couple weeks, so yeah, we actually missed the uh, UCLA comeback win. So yeah, to reiterate, in the Sweet 16, the Gonzaga Bulldogs met UCLA, and despite being down 13 and a half, came back so that they could blow the lead again and lose it with like seven seconds left, and then come back and win on the final shot of Julian Strother 3. From six feet behind the three-point line, yeah, it was crazy. That looked oddly reminiscent of a certain Villanova uh, championship winning three that I definitely uh, told you that one then you were like oh yeah <laughs> oh and then I saw it all over Twitter you're not so creative hey, I was Tyler. your first person to tell you that one correct correct that's fair um, I thought it was funny you guys were all like I can't believe that was the case there's no way Few drew that up and I was literally like watching the timeout and Few was drawing it up and I was like guys you should have just been paying attention to the screen Um, and you should have shut the fuck up I should have but there I won't one. but there I was, never will there was our one F-bomb for the show <laughs> That's great. PG-13, we saved it for the best time. <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, to reiterate, 17 years to the day, to the day that UCLA came back from down 13 at half to beat Gonzaga. Um, I, obviously, that was the Adam Morrison-era Gonzaga basketball team. They came back from down 13 and a half to beat Gonzaga late. Morrison showing emotion on the court. UCLA's lording that over us ever since. 17 years to the day later, Gonzaga comes back from down 13 and a half to upset the UCLA Bruins. Boilermakers? Oh, no, no, Bruins. <laughs> um, sorry, they just choked, so I, I get them confused. Um on a last-second Julian Starther three, that's the second straight uh, tournament matchup against UCLA that we've won on a buzzer-beating three. Maybe close out UCLA? I don't, I don't know. That's a thought. Maybe try to get a hand up. Um, and then I guess we... Uh, there was another game after that. Um, I don't know what happened there. I I lost consciousness after the UCLA game. This weekend you weren't around. It was... Uh, so, spent three days in a darkness chamber. Just a hell of a UCLA win. For our boys. That's how I'll always remember Drew Timmy is the 36 and 13 on on UCLA. And then something about Connecticut. I don't know. I don't know what happened after that. <laughs> Anyways, um, that's going to be it for this podcast. Thank We're going to end it after an hour of discussion and uh, too much talk over things we don't necessarily want to talk about at the end there. Um, but we hope you enjoyed. Hey, if you did enjoy this podcast of sound up seattle please feel free to follow the podcast on spotify um you can just click that follow button if you're listening on spotify this is the only place we publish it to at the moment so if you found us you know how to follow us um you can find sound up seattle on twitter and tiktok i forgot we don't have an instagram actually yet or maybe yeah we don't have an instagram yet um at sound up seattle all lowercase uh one word um I, Tyler, can be reached everywhere at TyCart50, even Gmail if you really want to send me an email. Um, also, yeah, we have the email for SoundUpSeattle. It's just SoundUpSeattle at gmail.com. Um, I'm really just am prolonging this outro because I don't know what to say about you because every time we say you don't have anything, and I just want to make it a little bit more interesting. <laughs> Still nothing. Sorry, folks. Next time. Next time. <laughs> <laughs> 
just you know uh, yeah thank you for listening we really appreciate it sorry sorry for missing a week there yeah and always remember taking, go squids <laughs> go squids yes but more importantly than that taking a benadryl before going to work it's a lot like wearing a condom you might not need it but it's always better to be safe people <laughs> Just gonna sign out on that one. <laughs> Hi, this is Tyler Carwright and Joan Carey with the Sound Up Seattle podcast. Don't you dare say my name, okay? It's my name. That's my word. That's my name. <laughs> That's my name, damn it. Oh, there's there's a, a there's a movie like that. Call me by your name. No, 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 no. There's like a. Oh, it's from fucking the Benchwarmers. Have you seen the Benchwarmers? I love the Benchwarmers. The sun is not a monster. It's not a monster. <laughs> God, that actor is.